Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. How many of your heart is open to what God wants to do here in the remainder of this service? Come, preacher, preach to us tonight. Praise the Lord tonight. Aren't you thankful for the touch of the Holy Ghost? You know, it's like we have tapped into something of old. told my wife before church if I didn't have 100% faith in Brother Calhoun, I would think that our kids had been listening to our conversations and telling Brother Calhoun what we've been talking about. Aren't you glad that you can have faith in a preacher? But you know, there seems to be a call for the deep things of God. I was recently praying in the same things that Brother Calhoun has been talking about. I said, God, I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but I like talking about the things of old and the things that we've seen. We know God's a healer. Amen? You remember when we were so poor, we prayed about everything. I remember living out there in Sam's. Our well went dry. You know what? All of us went out there and anointed it with oil and prayed for it, went back in, believed in God. Guess what? There was water in that well in a few minutes. I know that it can. And I ask him, so why is it that we no longer see the things we used to see if you're a God that doesn't change? I can't say that I heard an audible voice. But you know what? It isn't God that's changed. We've changed. You know what, Greg Blue? You don't pray the way you used to pray. Oh, don't don't get upset. I still pray. Not like I used to pray. You know what? You still fast, but you don't spend the time fasting that you used to. But you know what? There seems to be a call. I I want to see God move. Uh, I know there's people in here that we've heard prophecies for 40 years about what God wants to do in Texarkana. You mean to tell you what? I believe that Brother Calhoun is the man. I believe it. I, I have nothing negative to say about anyone else, but I know that God has sent men here that time and circumstances has changed them. But you know what? I feel the Holy Ghost so powerful in this place. There's no telling. There is no telling what's going to happen. Not because I'm preaching. Because I ain't even in the class with Brother Calhoun. I'm going to do my best. But God is in this place. God is in this place. Come on. You know what? It's one thing. I I prayed and told God, I want to be anointed. But even beyond the anointing, I want the Shekinah glory of God to be in the house when we worship you. I want to be anointed. I want you to be able to touch people. But I want God to consume us when we come to this place. Tonight, I want to try to help someone. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. 
the ninth chapter. usually tell people I'm going to be short or sweet, but I can't be both. Let's try to be short and sweet both then, right? If you have it, say amen. And David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may shew him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. When they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may shew the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Phibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely shew thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? I want to preach tonight a very simple thought. The last day in Lodabar. Last day in Lodabar. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so thankful. Thankful for the ministering touch of the Holy Ghost that we have already experienced in this house. Lord, tonight we're believing you for the miraculous. That you would touch every heart, that you would touch every mind, that you would strengthen and comfort above everything. Fill someone with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We'll praise you and thank you in the name that is above all others. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. How many of you know the devil wants to keep you in Lodabar? You know, he is an accuser. And I try not to be too negative, but uh, we've all fallen short of the glory of God at some point in our lives. Uh, we've all had to come to church needing the grace and the mercy of God. I can remember as a young man, which is getting further and further and further away, and uh, Bruce is actually making me feel old. But I can remember as a young man coming to the church how so disgusted with myself and praying and asking God, would you allow me to see myself the way you see me? Anybody ever been there? God, I want, I want to see me through your eyes. What do you see when you look at me? And I was really expecting to just feel this disgust come over and how bad, and you know what, if I have ever felt the love and the grace of God, in that moment I felt it. And then it dawned on me, you know what, he thought I was worth saving. He thought I was to die for. You know what, church, he loves us. On the worst day, he still loved you. In the good, in the bad, the ups and the downs, he loves you. But it is an enemy that wants to keep us in that place where the devil's constantly reminding us of what we were. 
You know what? I don't care if it was yesterday. If you repented before church, all things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Come on, some of you need to learn the power of repentance. Even Paul had to die out every day. It's not about perfection. It's living a life of repentance. And no, I'm not giving you an avenue to be bad. Lodabar, the word debar means word or thing. And you school teachers know that lo is a prefix that is a negator. So the word lodabar literally means no word or no thing. And so historians tell us that Lodabar was a very barren place. Wasn't pretty. Didn't have green trees like we've got around here. I've had people out west ask me about it. And I said, you know what? You ever heard the, the saying you can't see the forest for the trees? That's Texacana. Green. There was nothing attractive about Lodabar. It was a place where the people that were down and out would go. It was a people that no one else wanted would go. It was where the vagabonds and the people like Mephibosheth that had lost everything and were running for their lives. That was the place that was Lodabar. As a matter of fact, historians say that if you were to use modern vernacular, word for the day, this place would be called Nothingville. Everybody that lived in this place, uh, they were considered losers. And you know what? That's what the devil tries to convince some of you because of your past. Well, I want to come tonight to tell you, forget about yesterday. Because God wants to make tonight the last night that you ever spend in a place called Lodabar. Come on, God is still able... The miracle worker's in the house. Come on, the devil's been battling some of you to the point you're thinking about walking away. Where would you go to feel what we've already felt in this house tonight? There's no place. There is no place like the house of God. No place. You know what I fear sometimes that we've so, seen so much bad in the last decade that sometimes I have to remind myself where God brought us from because one thing I know for sure we wasn't happy back then and it's gotten worse since then so there is no other place than this and whatever I need and whatever I want I'll find in this house this house there are stories in the Bible that are fascinating. There was a young man by the name of Joseph. Uh, probably one of the most preached topics in all of the Bible. But Joseph was his dad's favorite. How many of you know the baby in the family is always a brat? The youngest one just got upset. Well, I've got news for you. The oldest one's a brat, too. The first ones are brats because they get spooled because they're the first one. The youngest ones are. As a matter of fact, you know what? Every kid I've ever met's a brat. Some of you laughed and some of you got offended. I was recently preaching out west, sitting at a table with a pastor and two kids. 
had my hand out on the table. A little devil about a year old got it, and he just got some teeth, and I'm telling you, that kid got a hold of me like a snapping turtle. Couldn't shake him off. And you know, this pastor's writing a paycheck, Brother Calhoun. I didn't want to just thump that little joker. Get off of me. Finally got him off, shook it a little bit. Look across, and the other one's about four years old. He looked at me, and he said, Brother Blue, you got a big nose. You know, I'm an evangelist. I don't mind getting a free meal, but I didn't expect to get physically and verbally assaulted while I'm here. I told that little devil, you know why my nose is big? Because I got big fingers. And some of you be laying in bed the night and laugh about that. Joseph was the youngest. This has nothing to do with what I'm preaching, but you know what? If you can't afford to get nice coats for all of them, then get them all bad coats. But don't create jealousy by having favorites. But he was his dad's favorite. And the Bible says that God gave him dreams. And that he told his brothers, you know what? The moon and the stars bowed to me. And because of these dreams, they started hating him. You know what? You're already spoiled. You have a nice coat. None of us do. Your dad's favorite. And you think that we're going to bow to you. Never happened. He had a dream that they're in the fields and his sheave, it rose up in the middle of the others and all the others bowed down and he told his brothers about it. And they said, so you think we're going to bow to you? It'll never happen. They hated him. How many of you have got an older sibling? Let's pick on Brother Jeff for a while. Jeff's an absolute sweetheart. Everybody loves him. They do. You should have been raised around him. He's getting nervous now. I remember going to the dinner table one night, Brother Calhoun, and my mom was talking to him, and I couldn't hear her. She screamed. Anybody that knows my mom knows my mom has exactly negative 4% patience. Great! Oh, yes, ma'am. You know what? When I say something, you better listen. I can't hear you. Why can't you hear me? Because I have... She said, Greg, why do you have peas in your ears? And I said, how many? We got any old folks here? Remember you go to the dollar store and buy a pea shooter, had a little straw in it about that long and green peas. Anybody remember that? Well, we had bought some, and my brother, that I loved dearly, held me down, put his knee on the side of my head and put a green pea in one ear, rolled my head over and put a green pea in the other ear. And my mom, I said, Jeff, put peas in my ears. And my mom said, why did you let, you know, parents can say some of the dumbest things. You know what, mom, I just woke up this morning and wanted green peas in my ears, but I didn't want to do it myself and just asked you, if you don't mind. I told you he's a sweetheart, but you know what, he hadn't always been that sweet. Could not tell you the times he's whipped me. He wouldn't want to try it now, but I can't tell you time. I remember one day we're working on a go-kart. And I don't even remember what started it. I'm sure he, he started it. But I remember he whipped me so bad, I finally got my breath and got to my hands and knees, and I stood up. And I cannot tell you everything that I said because I got the Holy Ghost now. Amen. We don't act like that, right? 
But when I got the Holy Ghost, I quit acting like that. I put it that way. <laughs> Can't tell you everything I said, but I ended it by telling him, you know what, Jeff? I hate your guts and your liver. The bad thing was my mom was standing behind me. Now, I don't want to make you think that I did stuff like this all the time, but I can tell you, if you're going to get your mouth washed out, Dove goes down much better than Dawn. Matter of fact, we were sitting at the table that night. I got hiccups, and I would hiccup, and bubbles would come out of my mouth. And not one of them three devils that I was raised with got in trouble for laughing about it. But you know what? I remember getting the call and going to Dallas when he was in intensive care and thinking about how much I really did love him. You know what? It's like the church. We're brothers and sisters. You know what? If you get upset with someone over any reason, you know what? Get over it. God's coming back. Get over it. It's not worth going around being angry about something. I, I've known people. I, I heard a lady griping one time and asked her, you know what, when did that happen? She said 30 years ago. Like, you know what? You're about 29 years past getting over it. You know what? I did not hate my brother. He would just make me so mad. You know what? They hated Joseph. They hated him. Can't imagine. You know what? Don't let that spirit be found in the church. Because if there's any place in the world that people ought to be able to come and feel loved, it's the church of the living God. Not the church across town. I'm talking about an apostolic Pentecostal church. If there's any place that people ought to feel love, it's this house. Don't care what color you are, where you've been, who you've been with, what you've done. In this house, people ought to feel love. Why? Because such were some of us when God found us. We're not worried about where they're coming from. Where you are is not as important as where you're headed. They hated him. To the point that their dad sends Joseph out in the field one day. tells him, you know, I'll just take your brother something to eat. And when they spy him, they decide they're going to kill him. You ever been mad enough to kill your brother? I'm not going to lie, I have. I tried to kill mine with a knife. If he wouldn't have been fast, he wouldn't be here right now. And it was his fault. Can you imagine as this young man, the Bible says by this time, teaches that, you know what? He's probably about 17 years of age and he's walking up there innocently, probably never understanding why they hated him so much. And they conspired to kill him. And you know what? The Bible says that Reuben, who of all people, Mike, his Bible, when the Bible says that when their dad's passing out, the blessings, he said, you know what, Reuben, you're like water. You're unstable. We got too many that have the spirit of Reuben in the church today. You know what? Scientifically, water doesn't have a definitive mass. It takes on the shape of whatever you put it in. And you mean to tell you what? When you're at church, be apostolic. But when you're at work, be apostolic too. And at the restaurant and in the mall, if you go, wherever you go, you know what? We got too many people with the spirit of Reuben in them. It's already been said this morning. We've got to make up our minds. It's heaven or nothing. 
It's heaven or not. We have lost our fascination for heaven. I still want to go. I still want to go. This world's not my home. And if I had hope in this life, here only I'd be avoid if this was it. But I'm glad to know there's something better in store for us. But even Reuben could do the right thing every once in a while. And he talked him out of not killing him. And yet when there was a little bit of a degree of separation there, the Bible says he was sold into slavery. I want you to try to picture in your mind what it's like from going to the top of the world to the bottom. I can tell you this, if we took the time to do it, and we're not going to do it, that's why we don't have testimony service anymore. Because either somebody's going to preach or, like I've even learned, some people, you don't ask them how they're doing. But if we were to take the time, everybody in this church has a sad story to tell. Brother Blue. The reason I don't have a whole lot of patience with sad stories is because every sad story that I hear, I could tell you one that's ten times worse. I could tell you about a young lady that after church one night asked me, could I please speak to you? And we sit on the altar in front of the church. And she had on a football jersey and she had her head shaved. And she told me it's hard for me to understand that this Jesus could love me. Because if you only knew, I said, I can tell you this, that the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, when we didn't know him, he already knew us. And he died for us. And I learned of a story of a girl that was 15 years old that was in her 50th 5-0 foster home. And I cannot even begin to imagine Let me stop right there to tell some of you brats, you ought to be thankful for your mom and dad. You ought to be thankful that you got a mom and dad that cares enough about you to correct you when you need it. Stand behind the pastor. Thank you for 5% of you. Thank you for parents that stand behind the pastor. From the top of the world to the bottom, all of a sudden from dad's favorite into slavery into the house of Potiphar. And I cannot even begin to imagine. But you know what? The Bible just simply paraphrasing. He just went into that house and started doing the right thing. You know what? I don't care where you go to work. Just go there and do the right thing. And if you'll do the right thing and show up on time, eventually you're going to move up. We got everybody wanting to start at the top and work their way to the bottom now. It doesn't work that way. You got to start at the bottom, work your way to the top. You know what the Bible says? That there came a day when there was nothing that happened in the house of Potiphar that didn't go through the hands of Joseph. Everything. I've wondered many times if he thought, you know what, maybe this is the dream. Man, I went from being a slave to number two in this whole house. And guess what? A bad woman can mess stuff up. Amen. Aren't you thankful you got a good wife? One hand. One hand. Y'all need to put some knots on these guys when y'all get home tonight. Glad I had my hand up. (laughs) 
One bad woman, a good woman is a treasure to have. A bad woman can cause more trouble. And she got her eyes on Joseph. And day after day, she pressed him. But he kept doing the right thing. You know what? I'm weary as a minister of having other ministers tell me about how they were seduced. You know what? Women have been doing that for 6,000 years. You big dummy. You ain't as good looking as you think you are. You knew. I only got one amen. So look in the mirror when you get home. The enemy setting you up for a fall. He did the right thing. Until one day she presses him and grabs him and he has to leave his coat in the house. And guess what? In a moment, everything he had built up was pulled out from under him again. You know what? When you wonder if life's not fair, that's just life. You're not going to be on the mountaintop all the time. And I've got news for you. You shouldn't be in the valley all the time either. But life has its ups and downs. But thank God I can go back to an altar whenever I need it. And God can lift me up again and again and again and again and again. All of a sudden he's in prison. Guess what? He just did the right thing. And before too long he was number two in the prison house. Now, I don't really know what it's like to be number two in the prison house. Maybe some of y'all could help us out. He did the right thing. And the Bible says that while he was in prison, that the butler and the baker are sent to prison. And listen to this. This is how God works. The Bible says the captain of the guard put Joseph in charge over these two men to take care of them. You know who the captain of the guard was? A man by the name of Potiphar. He probably knew his wife was a liar. And guess what? Doing the right thing. They had dreams. The Bible says there came a day when they questioned Joseph. One of them had a dream. There were three branches. He said, you know what? Grapes on the branches. I took those grapes and squeezed them. You know what he said? He said, you know what, Mr. Butler, in three days, God's going to restore you back to your position. And the baker said, you know what? I had a dream that had three baskets of bread on my head and the birds come down and ate them. And he said, you know what? In three days, the king's going to take your head off. If you ever get the choice, you better be a butler, not a baker. Either that or you better be a better cook than he was one or the other. And you know what? It happened just like Joseph said. And he tells them, you know what? When you're put back in your position, don't forget about me. You know what? It's nothing like good friends, is it? They forgot about him. One of them didn't forget. He didn't have a head. The other one. And I've pondered this and thought, you know what? Can you imagine this young man sitting in his prison cell with his back against the wall? And thinking about life. Because reading and studying this, they say it was 22 years from the time that he, God gave him that dream to the time that his brothers would bow down to him in Egypt. It took 22 years. 
So I'm going to get sidetracked long enough to tell somebody if God gave you a dream, don't give up on God. If you've got backslid loved ones, don't give up on God. What is five years? What is 10 years? What is 15? What is what is a lifetime compared to eternity? But if God gives you a dream, hold on. It'll come to pass. Just give God time. Stay in the church. Keep doing the right thing. You're not going to spend the rest of your life in Lodabar if you hold on to God. You want to talk about feeling like a nothing. A prison house and thinking out of dad's house and sold into slavery and Potiphar's house and that woman that wasn't nothing but trouble gets me in trouble, go to prison, all this, and I thought and telling this and but you know what? The Bible says Pharaoh had a dream. And word gets to the butler and he says, You know what? There is a man that can interpret that dream. In the prison house. But you know what? You can imagine Joseph that particular day feeling so down and empty and lonely. But can you imagine what it felt like when he began to hear those prison doors open up and somebody starts calling for Joseph? Because all of those years of ups and downs and the bad, he held on to God. He kept doing the right thing. And in one moment, he becomes the second most powerful man in all of the world. Listen to me, you that are frustrated with where you're at. Hold on to God. Tonight might be the night that the king calls your name. Tonight might be the night that you spend your last day feeling like a nobody. That's what God wants to do tonight is lift some of you up out of where you are. Why? For end time revival. Come on, Joseph's family. It happened just like God showed him. And 70 people went into Egypt and 430 years later, two and a half million leave. But you know what? The devil trying to keep some of you so pressed down. So pressed down. Why? Because you know what? When you're fighting depression and feeling like a nobody, it's hard to tell somebody about a God that's amazing. To win the lost world, we have to be able to convince them that we've got something better than they have. So when you go to work, don't gripe about the church. That didn't go over too hot. When you go to work, don't gripe about the church. Why? There's no perfect church. I had an elder tell me one time, he heard me grab and he said, let me tell you something. He said, if you ever find a perfect church, you don't go to it because you'd ruin it. Ha, ha, ha. Well, if you ever find a perfect church, you don't go to it. And you already have the answer. There's no perfect situation. There's no perfect people. There's no perfect church. You know what? I'm just thankful to be among people that love God. We may not look like much to the world, but you mean to tell you what? We've got a God that cares about us and loves us. And if we'll learn to work together, how many of you know there's power in unity? Then if we don't get together right now, how many of you know there's power in unity? Come on, if we get behind the man of God and all get on the same page and do what we need to do, we can shake this city to its foundations. 
We got to make up our mind. This is my last day feeling like a nobody. Come on, you're a child of God. You're a child of the king. There has to come a time when we make up our minds. It's my last day feeling this way. I, I don't know. I think it was Brother Calhoun. I kept hearing him say, we need a breakthrough. You know, we all need a personal breakthrough. There has to come that point. His name was Bartimaeus, born blind. If I were to have to lose any of my faculties, it would not be my eyesight. I've already lost a lot of my hearing from banging on sheet metal for about 30 years, which comes in handy. Brother Dumb Dial when Sister Blue says, you didn't hear me say such and such? No, ma'am. You know I'm hard of hearing. Huh? You know what I have heard and know to be true that when people lose one of their five senses, the other ones become more acute. How many of you remember Brother Kelly? I remember walking into this church and Brother Kelly saying, hello, Brother Blue. I said, Brother Kelly, you, you ain't blind. You just like getting a check. He said, I am too. I said, then how did you know it was me? He said, well, there's two things. You walk. You drag one of your feet when you walk, but I could smell you. And I ain't never hit a blind man, but I ain't saying I wouldn't. <laughs> then he corrected and said, you know what? It's your cologne. Well, that made me feel better. Bartimaeus was blind. Because of that, his other faculties, other senses have become more acute. The Bible says that Christ and the apostles, they must have been traveling for quite some time, but they finally make it to the outskirts of Jericho. And so this blind man, they could probably hear better than average, all of a sudden he hears the name Jesus. Now he must have heard about this man named Jesus that was a miracle worker. You mean to tell you what? When you know the miracle worker's near you, you ought to reach for him as hard as you can. Come on, there's something special going on around Landmark for the last few months that we've been coming in and out. There's something, let me tell you what, you better reach as hard as you can. Where's that spirit of Jesus, our son of David? Have mercy when God is near. Cry as hard as you can. Why? Bartimaeus had the revelation if he, I may never have this opportunity again. I see this spirit in our travels. The apostles are like, you know what? Be quiet. Yeah, it's easy for you to say when you ain't trying to touch God. But I've seen people. You know what? We used to come to church. We're just going to have church till it's over with. Now y'all get upset if we sing more than four songs. We get upset if the preacher goes over 45 minutes. How long have I been preaching before y'all get mad? Oh, only 34. Bruce can only handle 45 minutes of preaching, so I ain't got but 11 minutes left. Can't have him going home with a bad attitude. It bothered me, always has bothered me, even in Sunday school learning that the apostles were telling him, you know what, be quiet. No one can keep you from touching God 
if you really have a need. But we need to get away from the attitude that we've got other plans. Come on, they maybe had been traveling for quite some time. They're right there on the outskirts of Jericho. And the Bible says they're trying to shut him up. You know what? What happens in this house is more important than showing up late for lunch. What happens in this house is more important than your roast being overcooked. What happens in this house is more important than anything in your life. Why? Because this is the thing that gave us life to begin with. But we've got too many people that come with an agenda. Why don't we just come here ready to have church and let God be God? I've heard them say before I got in church, I closed down the bar, then quit griping about church going to 30 minutes over. Before I got in church, I listened to music so loud it would roll down the windows and quit griping about the Blind man, be quiet. You ever come to church and really needed to touch God? Let me tell you what, I've been to church and I didn't care if nobody wanted to pray. I had to touch God. I ran into a backslider two days ago. And she said, you know, Greg, the problem is, is I no longer have the desire to go to church. Have you ever felt that way? I said, there have been times when I did not feel like going to church. I can say that. But you want me to tell you what? I knew that that's the place that gave me life. And when I'm tired, I'm still going. I got to get up early for work. I'm still going. But you want me to tell you what? There's been a whole lot more days than that. I could not wait to get back to the house of God and get the strength that I only can get when I come to the house of God. We don't live by our feelings. We live by the fact that we know that God is in this house and He's still the way. If I can always just make it back to the house of God. you got to fall in love with it. You've got to fall in love with it. Teach our children to love it. Can you teach your kids? And how the Muslims teach their kids to love their God that ain't even real. Teach them to love God. But you want me to tell you what, Bartimaeus, the Bible says that when Jesus heard him cry, that he stopped and captivated the attention of God. You know what? We ought to be moved by the fact that we have already felt what we felt in this house. I'm always impressed when God cares enough to walk in a house that I'm in. He's so amazing and so kind and so loving. While the choir was singing, you could feel the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that Christ stopped and he calls. And the apostles finally tell him, okay, 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 okay. He's calling for you. I want you to try to get it in your mind what it must have felt like to know that the Almighty had stopped And you had his attention for a moment. And blind Bartimaeus, the Bible says he got up and he cast off those beggars' clothes. You want me to tell you why? Because he made up his mind, this is my last day feeling like a nobody. This is my last day. I don't know what's going to happen. 
I've heard what he can do. I've heard that he can heal. But one thing I'm making up my mind right now, I'm not coming back to what I used to be. I want to tell someone in this house that's struggling, you've got to make up your mind no matter what. I'm not going back to what I used to be. You've got to have a made up mind. And so back to y'all thought I was going to leave poor Mephibosheth and Lodabar. Ask my family to come to the music as we all stand. The Bible says at a time when Israel was at war with the Philistines, that Jonathan, Mephibosheth's dad, his dad is slain. The Bible says on Mount Geboa in battle that Jonathan is slain, and when he is slain, and Israel is falling, that Saul actually takes and falls upon his own sword and kills himself. And when word comes to the house of Saul that Philistines are going to take over Israel, the Bible says that a maid took Mephibosheth at the age of five years and began to run with him. And she trips and falls. And when she falls, it breaks both of his legs and he would remain crippled for the rest of his life. So I want you to imagine this young man going from a king's palace to living in Nothingville. Nobody. Nobody cares. You're not the king's. What a beautiful story of redemption. Why? Because I see backsliders more and more thinking about coming back to the house of God. I, I want to ask you a favor. I've never asked you a favor before, so you ought to do this one. When backsliders come back, would you just love them? Just love them. I've always been impressed with the prodigal father because he didn't say, number one, why do you smell like a pig? Number two, where's the money at? What you been doing? You know, he was just glad that he came home. Why can't we just be glad that they come home? Why? Because I believe there's a stirring going on right now. The world may not know, but backsider, they're going to come home. Let's love them. Mephibosheth feeling like a nobody in Nothingville. Can you imagine that day when he heard all the commotion, wondering what in the world is going on? He couldn't walk. He probably had to tell somebody, go, go see what's happening. And to look outside and see that all of the king's men are arrayed. Probably first it was fear because it was common practice to kill all the royal seed when a new king came to power. But when he finally gets to David, he says, such a dog as I am. And David told him, you know what? For the rest of your life, you're going to sit in the king's palace at the king's table. I've often wondered about that until it dawned on me one day. You know what? It doesn't matter how broken or crippled you are when you're sitting at the king's table. Nobody can tell. Nobody can tell that you're a cripple. You know, the name of Phibosheth literally means one who scattereth or destroys shame. Isn't that beautiful? Because God's not worried about your past. God's not worried about where you've been. Not worried about the shame. 
not worried about who's at fault and the sin and all of those things because we serve a God that's going to take all of that shame scatter it until when you begin to look around there's no longer a need to be shamed because of the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary will cover a multitude a multitude of sin as they begin to play and sing, these altars are open. I wonder if anybody's just tired of living in Lodabar. As they begin to sing, I wonder if anybody would come to the front and just make up their mind. You know what? I'm tired of being pushed down and pressed and the pressures of being reminded what I once was. And make up your mind. This is my last day feeling like a nobody. Come on. The Holy Ghost is in this house. Anybody want to come down? Let the miracle-working power of the Holy Ghost do what it does best.